Welcome, everyone. <laughs> it's amazing to be sitting here with friends. We have <laughs> song members from Madison and Suzanne will be here in a minute. Others, oh, you have to see a fraud. <laughs> Suzanne has very generously uh, dashed to her car to get a bell because I don't have one here. So she'll bring a bell for our, our sitting. <clears throat> Before we begin our meditation, though, I'd like to, um, um. Uh, to name something that's important. <clears throat> and that is that at 8.30 this morning Central Time in the United States, uh, my mother's only sister and my favorite aunt died. Um, she was 96 or 7, I can't remember which, um, but she lived a very, very long life and was gently uh, fading over the last uh, month or two. So it was not unexpected, but yet final, of course. And so as we sit, uh, I'd like to just name... Um, Mary Catherine Perry Webb. Thank you. A very, a very important uh, a person in our family uh, who has dropped her body and will continue. Uh, now, we have somebody else joining us too. Oh, Bonnie. Hi. Fantastic. We have a very small room. Uh, when I arrived, I um, wanted to um, offer inquiry today, and I made an assumption that we might have our larger room for the retreat available, but we didn't. So we're in a small, it's perfect, it's a practice discussion room for spiritual direction here at Holy Wisdom Monastery. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll ring the bell now for our brief sitting. Uh, with the remembrance of um, Mary Catherine, who all our lives we know as our aunt uh, Sissy. And I'll ring the bell nine times instead of three in her memory as we begin our meditation.
Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. wonderful to see so many of you and to be here with so many friends and be preparing for this uh, this retreat we are at Holy Wisdom uh, Monastery uh, very near uh, Madison Wisconsin I think it's not actually technically in Madison but but very very close and this place uh, is has a very long history, which I don't need to go into, but uh, we have actually a fairly long history here. How long have we been meeting here? A dozen, at least. A dozen years? Yeah. Yeah, probably 12 years here. Um, but the nuns, the uh, Benedictine nuns, have been taking care of this place for a long time, and it's quite, uh, quite amazing. Uh, I'll also say, I know my mom and Kathy are online too, that that uh, Mary Catherine would be very, very happy that in speaking about her, that I would be sitting right here. It would, it would mean a lot to her, uh, with the cross would be here. For those of you that are interested, a side note, there is a wonderful book which had um, dispersed when all of my, my books went away, called Benedict's Dharma. Buddhists reflect on the rule of St. Benedict, and Norman Fisher and some other teachers are there. And I was looking at uh, some excerpts from it actually online this morning, and those of you that are in the precepts program, or have studied the precepts at any time, uh, listen to the, re uh, the resonance. This is something that was from the, the, the first paragraph in that book, because it's talking about the rule of St. Benedict. It says, the root meaning of the Latin and Greek words translated as rule is trellis. Saint Benedict was not promulgating rules for living. He was establishing a framework on which a life can grow. While a branch of a plant climbing, climbing a trellis cannot go in any direction it wants, you cannot know in advance just which way it will go. The plant is finding its own path within a structure the space in which it moves is open, though not without boundaries. And this is the same analogy many of us use in understanding what the precepts are. Uh, so I just appreciated that resonance. And also, finding one's own way within a structure is kind of the key of what I want to talk to today, talk about. Here's a couple of observations uh, I wanted to relate to you since I haven't spoken to you in a while. The Just This uh, group of sanghas in the UK planned um, a beautiful retreat and then a post-retreat for uh, um, some of the senior students for training. And they really wanted to understand more about the forms and even about liturgy. In fact, uh, Trudy said to me, we don't even know what we don't know. And we want to learn more about the forms. So I said, great. So I began preparing a few things. And as I did, I received an email just a day or two after that from Upaya. Some of you know who were in the practice period there at times. And the title of their practice period is Making the Visible, in, 
making the invisible visible, an exploration of Zen liturgy. It's like, hmm, well, that's exactly what I was, I was working on. Then in the Awakening Together Sangha in Minneapolis, where I was just last week, they were asking for assistance with forms. They're a very young Sangha, so they were looking at how to begin to unfold and include uh, forms and structures and even ceremony in their, their practices. I arrive here at Open Door in Madison, where we'll be studying the four embraces of Dogen. But having just completed Dharma Transmission, everybody says, bring your robes. Help us with the forms and services. So I did just that. I brought with me one book. You know, it's, it's not easy to travel with a bunch of books. I think that's what Kindles are for, but it's not the same, you know. And the book is Zinju Earthland Manuel's new book, The Shamanic Bones of Zen, which many of you I know have been, um, been enjoying revealing the ancestral spirit and mystical heart of the sacred tradition. Because it speaks about ritual and ceremony, its essential nature in, in Zen. And all of this arriving as Peg and I complete the long arc of Dharma transmission, full of the shamanic bones and the mystical heart of this tradition. Largely paying tribute and homage to our ancestors who carried the spirit of Zen in our lineage to this very day. So I, I say all of that because there's a thread, obviously. There's something that's arising, signaling. Like, wh what is this? That this is suddenly all coming now. And a couple of the things I've been thinking about and that some of us in Minneapolis were talking about is that, you know, we live, of course, in a world that's full of chaos and shifting values at this, this time. So this question about where is our home what are our guides which can orient us? Where do we find refuge when everything seems to be shaken up or falling apart or turning in directions that are dismaying? Another thread is that <clears throat> I think that we've strained the limits of self-help and other help in terms of healing and helping. They're useful, but we've, we're straining at the limits of those. Where do we turn to step further? beyond human agency without turning to a deity do we dare tor turn toward the mystery and this is what ritual and ceremony are for and liturgy and its expression and yet there is this yearning in us for what the way I think about it is for consolation for comfort and contentment in the face of all of this stuff. And I, I spoke about this a bit in, in Minneapolis, but it's worth maybe reflecting on a little, little more. These three words, consolation, comfort, contentment, don't appear very frequently in Zen language. We, there's another C word that we think of more often, confrontation, uh, rather than being consoling. In fact, being attached to too much comfort is sometimes named specifically as a barrier to meeting life as it is. And contentment can sometimes even be construed as like um, uh, a sense of like waning commitment or vitality in Zen practice. So you're just content, you know. But all of us, I think, long to feel consoled by someone we can trust. You know, a, a teacher or a friend and to be comforted in their warm embrace, like I'm surrounded right now. Even if that comfort and warm embrace appears in the silent embrace of Zazen, and to rest in the contentment of some sort of safe harbor, which is of course the essential and fundamental gift of Sangha. So these are wholesome human longings of the heart. And the freedom that emerges from our practice does open us to these universal, peace-filled qualities. And if, you know, if that weren't the case, I'm not sure I would have continued this practice for so many years. They didn't offer these uh, beautiful human qualities. 
that I looked up the, the words. The dictionary defines consolation as to offer comfort to someone in distress. Pretty easy. And spiritual friendship is a powerful source of consolation. But it's a kind of a consolation that doesn't say, everything's going to be okay. It's a kind of a consolation that suggests everything will be exactly what it will be, and we will be okay together. I'll be with you, and you will be with me as we meet what comes within our mutual care. And curiously, ritual and ceremony offer a rare kind of consolation in the midst of the storms of everyday life, something we can return to and be held in, embraced in, like that, uh, like the robe chant, a formless field of benefaction where we wear the teachings. Contentment, that second word, is defined as a state of peaceful happiness, not wishing for more. Softening our continual grasp for more is, you know, at the core of our practice, of course. But contentment isn't just, uh, you know, like refusing what we want or some kind of deadened passivity. I'm content. It's a very positive and active embrace of what's possible. I will be okay no matter what. I will not abandon myself. I will not abandon you. I'm content knowing I will be okay. We will be okay, no matter what. And I think this is the ability to rest in something, come what may. And again, our forms provide some of that holding and some of that solace. And lastly, uh, comfort. Consolation, contentment, comfort uh, is defined as to ease the distress of suffering. And of course, this is at the, the heart of Buddhist teaching and practice. Understanding it at least is the primary fruit of practice in, in um, shifting us away from unnecessary suffering. And this shift uh, where we're free of distress or unnecessary suffering, even for a moment, we call nirvanic moments. I think nirvana is a little bit of a, too big of a word. We have nirvanic moments. Everybody has those moments where you're completely freed up. You can feel the spaciousness. We're free of the constraints of our conditioning, even for a moment. Not caught in reactivity, shaped by our conditioning, even temporarily. And that's where we taste freedom. And the deepest understanding of this freedom tells us, I'm never apart from you. Who is this you, this I that's, that's always on our side? You know, big mind, Buddha nature, boundlessness, universal consciousness, whatever you want to call it, all fits into this big question. And when we truly offer ourselves fully to a chant like we were doing a moment ago, wasn't it nice to hear other voices with me? You know, when we have a chant, uh, a vows, when we read a sutra, when we care for the altar, when we assist a teacher or a friend, there's an unexpected comfort that arrives which is beyond just personal satisfaction or pleasure. It's deeper and less dependent on, on circumstances. So in this week and then the UK, we're going to be reflecting on the four embraces, which is a, a fascicle from Dogen. I'm not going to go into all that right now. But I will say that I'm going to read a tiny bit, which is in the description here because it's so beautifully done. It says the four embraces, which are, by the way, offering, generosity, kind speech, harmonizing conduct, and intimacy through our action. The things that you're quite familiar with. Dana Paramita, generosity, kind speech, harmony, and intimacy. And these four embraces are aspects of a bodhisattva's relational practice. 
and present four embracing dimensions of awakening action and care for the world. These four embraces might be thought of as means of liberation or the means of loving other beings. It invites these four qualities. And as I was preparing for this retreat and reflecting on the, these three qualities of consolation and comfort and contentment, I, th I thought I began to see what was emerging. It's like I can remember in the old days with Cassie, you know, when you watch a, um, a print begin to, it looks like magic, you know, materialize in the chemistry in the dark room. Some of you have done that. And something began to sort of show itself. And it's not a complicated thing. In the face of everything, there's this overwhelming longing to be held. In the face of everything, there's this, even if I can't see, it's like, I want to be able to reach out over there and know that if Rob will take my hand, like, ah, you know, or Suzanne will be back there. And here, there's this overwhelming longing to be held when I walked into the room. We wanted hugs. But beyond that, ritual and ceremony are one of the ways that we hold each other and hold the forms and hold our practice together. And we return over and over to these forms which have been passed down to us by the ancestors, which have proven their potency and power over time. Ones in which we have confidence and which can create containers to hold this universal embrace, the inconceivable. And by giving our bodies a way to move and relate, that begins to call forward these unique um, flavors and tastes and fragrances of contentment and consolation and of comfort. And if we allow ourselves to notice, and if we're not too shy about admitting it, we humans long for communion with something larger. That which appears to be other at first, like I, I would like to commune with whatever that goodness is out there. And maybe you feel it is distant. But over time, I think if we practice deeply, we're going to be graced with the experience of a kind of a union. That distance collapses. with the vast mind of awakening, no longer distant, no longer other, but close as, as one teacher said, as intimate as skin. And there are moments when we might even release into something more profound with a full identity with, not just a communion toward, not a union, but an identity with the unbound heart of compassion of all the Buddhas and all the Bodhisattvas and ancestors and realize ourselves as identical. In fact, we come to know that all these words and descriptions and all these teachings and stories have always been a way just to point to what's most deeply true and what it actually means to be alive, this mystery of being alive, but that pointing goes this way and this way. And this is what our forms and rituals and ceremonies embody. It's what they celebrate and embrace. Beyond any of our ideas and concepts, we can chant things in a different language, do things that we think, why the heck am I bowing? But when we offer our bodies and voices to the inconceivable, we begin to find our way in the dark and find the embrace within the embrace within the embrace. When I was making these notes, I remembered just the first little bit of the poem that we've used many times in teachings, Mark Nepo's Accepting This. But listen to it now in this context. He says, yes, it is true, I confess. I have great thoughts, I have thought great thoughts and sung great songs. All of it rehearsal. 
for the majesty of being held. It's this longing to be held. The majesty of being held. And everything else we do is a rehearsal. So many of you, I think, either were there or listened or watched the talk I did in Austin that week after Dharma Transmission. And I ended it with those four injunctions. Plunge into it all. Open to it all. Forgive it all. Offer it all. Plunge into it all. Surrender to your longing. Surrender to the mystery and the majesty of being held. Open to it all. Open up to your longing and the longing of those around you. Open to the mystery and the majesty of that space of opening. Forgive it all. Embrace all of the barriers to your longing. All the things that stand in the way that says not okay. And their mystery and their majesty. Because they protected you and tried to help you. And offer it all. Embody your longing as a gift. Expressing the mystery and the majesty. And inquiry, of course, when we're together like this, includes all these possibilities. The ability to come together to investigate our longing, to name it, to get closer to it, to share our vulnerable longings with those you, that we trust, to listen and bear witness to the longings of other people, to offer consolation and comfort to others and realize that, that the deep commitment, or contentment, commitment too probably, <laughs> The deep contentment that opens on its own between us when we're vulnerable, we can feel the way that we soften into strength. And together we discover the path that unwinds as we open to each other and hold each other. I just have to reach out again, <laughs> you know, because I can. <laughs> it's so nice. And um, Bonnie and Kathy, would you stand up? Sure. Good. So we can see you because we haven't been able to see them. And you have one good hand, right, Kathy? I do. Put, put it on this shoulder. And Bonnie, put another hand on this shoulder. Can you, can you get up here? Uh-huh. It's a small room. And there's Sue here. Yeah. Come. Oh, oh, I didn't know. Well, I, could, I thought I was grabbing Sue. Yeah, the reason I'm asking is because uh, it feels like heaven. <laughs> but it also we get, to, we get to embody these things. And by the way, Kathy, you can see, has a sling. She's had shoulder surgery. Oh, and she's going to have to leave because she has to go to physical therapy to get a little more comfort and consolation. And strength. That. So, yeah. So I'm doing this because... I get to, but also because you watching it does something, doesn't it? Just, it, it, trans, it translates if we watch loving kindness with others, too. Thank you. So those of you that can't reach out physically, but you can click the little thing that raises your hand, come join us in this room. <laughs> Here's someone who should be in this room, probably. Chris. Hi. Hi there. A little shaky? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've spent the morning thinking about not being able to be with you. Exactly right here. And I thought I was doing fine until you just did me in. Well, I know that's my job, isn't it? Yeah, I know. You're good yeah, at that. I, you just tell people what happened so they know what you're talking about. Um, I was exposed to COVID yesterday. Um, somebody tested positive this morning that I spent time with yesterday. And so I'm um, looking you're at... All ready to come to the retreat. What? All ready to come to the retreat. Right. Packed and everything. 
Um, but the CDC has changed their guidelines, which my doctor's office told me this morning that I do not have to isolate as long as I'm masked. So the question remains whether or not I will, we need to look at it. Yeah, and start testing and we'll see. Yeah. So anyway, just the whole talk about the longing to be held and the, yeah, plunging in and the, the thought of not being able to be with it. I mean, this is what I thrive on, right? <laughs> being, being with, so. Mm. Yeah. We're with you. Yeah, I've like said to not if we're if we're not too shy, we can claim our longing. Yeah. And that claiming is no small thing. Mm -hmm. To be willing to offer it and to receive it. And the claiming is partly really an offering, it's not just a receiving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think though I wanted to have the experience of actually being virtual with you when when normally I'm not for holy wisdom and I'm not sure I want to do it. I just really don't. You're not sure you want to be virtual? Right. Exactly. Well, of course not. We'd yeah. like you to be here too. We'll, we'll follow up and see what happens. I thought I was doing really well. You know, like I can do this. I listened. I listened. Well. Remember the definition? We're going to be okay however it goes. And I, in the okayness, you might feel disappointment, anger, frustration, everything. And we'll hold all that. Yeah. I listened to this podcast with Michael Singer. You know, he uh -huh. wrote An Untethered Soul right. last night, and he was all about you need to be conscious and you need to face. And I thought this morning when I got this call, I thought, well, I guess that's why I listened to that last night. So I can here be we are. right here with us. Here we are. Yep. Yeah. Well, I hope to see yeah. you um, when you bring the banner tomorrow. Yes. Good. <laughs> oh, your buddies were waving at you, of course. Judith. I think Jessica will help. There you are. Okay. Okay. I'm, my heart's so full, I don't even know what to say. Well, you just pushed that little thing. That's what you did. You don't have to worry <laughs> about what to say. I was so thrilled to see you in Austin and that you would travel all the way from Little Rock just for that talk. Oh, it wasn't just for that talk. <laughs> 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 it, it was a, it was a very, very rich experience for me in Austin. Um, even, even beyond the time that I, I was right where you were and consequently i'm just literally overjoyed and that's great to hear isn't it i mean yeah. it's great to feel you can appreciate <laughs> i can well yeah. that's why that's why when people talk about buddhism being about you know the end of suffering i say oh it's the, about the restoration of joy right on right on are. Yes. You're a living embodied example of it, huh? Yes. Yes, Good. I am. Good. <laughs> and thanks for naming it. <clears throat> Isn't it strange how sometimes it's almost like we have to um, come out as happy? Like <laughs> there's something. <laughs> Again, the, the world full of so many difficulties, like, is it okay to actually have moments of joy? It's actually a responsibility to be a beacon of that. And Bridget is coming forward now, it looks like. There you are. Okay. I'm so glad to be with you. And your reflections reminded me so much, especially the one about the, the longing uh, to be held. And some of you know that I recently um, had a friend whose daughter lost her husband who uh, just didn't wake up at the age of 47. And I'm actually going to Houston on Friday and, and we'll be seeing her. She had, it, that was on March 7th. And right. so I've been exchanging texts with her. But 
it made me think back of um, when I, I mean, I knew my husband was going to pass away, but when he did, it is so profound. And one of the nicest things that someone did for me was they asked me for one of Walter's shirts and to please send it to her in, in, um, in the Ohio. And I'm going to hold up because what she did and sent to me is send me this bear. Oh. <laughs> Made from his shirt? Made from his shirt. And notice that he has a very pronounced bulging belly. And that wasn't Walter's shape. But they make it this way intentionally. And they do the same thing with people who've had open heart surgery. Because you press the pillow against your heart because it's aching so. Yeah. And it's one of the things you do when you lose someone is you go and you smell their clothes in the closet because you miss them so much. And so yeah. I'm going to take my bear and find out whether my young friend who's uh, 38 wants me to have one of these made for her. Oh, that's really sweet. Um, well, it's a nice reflection to do when I'm thinking of my aunt who's just died within hours. Right. Because uh, yeah, I can only imagine. I, I still have both my sisters, but I'm sure your mom is, you know, and I met your mom for the first time, Thomasina, at, the, right. at your talk. So um, it's an end of the era when you lose someone that you've played with and jumped on the bed with and all those things. So I okay. hope she'll be comforted. Thank you. Yes, thank you for speaking that. <laughs> Suzanne, who loves her essential oils, just <laughs> handed me something out of her purse. Oh, really? Hello. The one for joy. Hello. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad they've got that bottled. I didn't. I know we got some bottled. Oh. I'm going to put some on a little bit. Yeah, wherever you can smell it. Well, thank you yeah. all for your presence here today. I do feel loved and connected by you all. And thank drive you. safely. All right, I shall. Bye, Kathy. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Okay, thanks. <clears throat> Hi, Rosemary. Another traveler. Yes, I went. So I got to hug Hi. in person. We got to hug in person and talking about feeling held. Um, All the way from New Jersey. Yes, and um, the, the whole weekend and then culminating with um, seeing more people at the uh, reception and you and... Yeah, I got to be with the Sangha. Be with the Sangha, be in the Zendo, um, you know, and even just stepping in, I can't even explain it, but um, certainly feeling very, very held. I said to my therapist yesterday, I think, um, so, you know, I think I, I feel most comfortable holding others and feeding others. And I'm getting this, you know, being held thing, you know, the sagas, I'm really getting it. And, um, you know, but I really got to thinking about this feeding and holding myself. Well, today blew that whole formula oh, yeah. out of the water because when you held Zafrat's hand and Suzanne's hand, I just like, oh yeah, I'm feeling that. And um, also, you know, meeting you, I, we've met before, but a long time ago, and but meeting you at, in that moment there, um, yeah, I, I think I'm getting in touch in a deeper level with the longing for that, for that connection. And certainly seeing you and everybody in person was a whole different level of yeah. feeling, feeling held and cared for. One of the things I remember is I'd forgotten how different we are in size. <laughs> it's hilarious. And because then I could just wrap you up. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like her, <laughs> you know, small, but mighty, you know, and I, it, it felt good. It's one of the things I remembered in my body is I could wrap you up. Yeah, it felt wonderful. And um, yeah, it um, there's a little bit of overwhelmingness to it for me, um, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to. It's just give it time to integrate. Yeah. This this medication is a time release. <laughs> it takes time for it to fully release all of its benefit. <laughs> So you can bear it. Yes, so you can bear it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Flint. Were you doing anything for Passover? Um, 
well, Easter. Um, yes, of course. Easter for me. And um, yes, I um, was invited with friends and I actually said a little grace, um, which had to do with compassion for those who, um, you know, were less fortunate than us to have friends and, and love. And um, um, may those, you know, in trouble be relieved of their suffering. And Good. everybody listened. Um, but yeah, and I made an Italian Easter pie, which everybody loves. There you go. <laughs> Fantastic. It was lovely. Thank you so much, Flint, Beautiful. and everybody. I'm so glad you got to be in the Zinto. That was really great. Cassie? I think this is part of the being hell thing is us coming all back together. And the, even little pods being able to physically be together. Yeah, um, being, you know, it's been 20 something years, but this is my new family. And uh, it, I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. um, and as I said to you, as we have, I've gone through this long arc of my practice, it would not have been documented without you all those years you've made a huge difference yeah um at first i think i picked up a camera because it was a bit of a barrier that let me uh enter safely into different areas yeah hide but behind it i could hide behind it but now it is uh, more about the connection you know, it's more about a mirror of my connection to what's what's present with me in that moment, mm -hmm. uh, because it lets me. And we really... get that. <laughs> that image that I sent with that message, but we with me and, mm -hmm. and the shadow, the shadow, shadow of it. Oh, the shadow everything. and the Buddha. Everything was in that image. Yeah, yeah, uh, and the shadow of that image having so much tenderness in it. It was like the tenderness and the really held part was in the shadow mm -hmm. that, you know, um, yeah. And of course, when I was photographing it, I didn't see the shadow. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't until later that I was just like, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, I wanted to also, you know, give my condolences to your family. Thank you. Uh, you know, she she is in Carrollton. Oh, close to your mom not real close but you know yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was with my mom and uh the green side of the family and uh, one of uh, their sisters uh lost their husband this week mm. and so um I got to see these two little old women you know in their mid 80s sitting by the fireplace going over the old pictures yeah you know both women who are widowed now and what a tender moment it was for me to see them and also kind of by a fireplace, by the warmth. They gathered by the warm place. This is the ancestors. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. The transmission with the ancestor. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I don't want to be greedy with time. I just wanted to uh, share those things. <clears throat> I'm going to, before you go here, I think I'm going to do this. If I share my screen, will that mess anything up, Jessica? I don't think so. Let me see. Yeah. You saw me. Yeah. It was, it was so fun to have that. Thank you. Yeah. And, and to meet the others and get to take pictures of you with them was really special for me, too. Absolutely. And you know, you know what the people in Minneapolis said they liked the best? Mm. Seeing our feet. <laughs> Me and Peg. Human. Yeah. Thanks, Kat. Ah, back to the UK. Hi, everyone. 
Um, I'm going to have to listen to that talk again, Flint. Um, mm. um, I found it... What I was most interested in is I felt like I almost had to hang on to my seat. Mm. Like the, Me too. <laughs> The, the 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 desire to just kind of um, give myself in. That was the plunging part. Yeah. And then and then something that kind of holds on and mm -hmm. um, yeah, that strong, strong momentum. Yes. And 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 then I was just sitting here trying to feel into like what is it about about the form? You know, it's like one one thing is it holds it's like plunging into the not knowing and the relief of that. And that's what I meant about the mystery and the majesty. The plunging into the not knowing and the relief of that. Yeah. Absolutely. So my not knowing fully has a place in that with others in in the form. It's really essential. Without it, you're stuck in self-concern. Mm. Mm. I think it's one of the distinctions that people often miss between the good, incredibly useful, essential, powerful aspects of mindfulness and ritual and ceremony because it's not reflective it's release yeah 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 uh, um you're still swimming in it eh <laughs> yeah i am and i'm very grateful that you're going to be exploring it with uk sangha members um Will you be uh, in person or virtual or one of those with this? I'll be on the retreat, yeah, in Very person. Good. That's yeah. great. It'll be good to see you. Mm. Yeah, I look forward to it. We'll, we'll see what is integrated by then. Pardon? Maybe more has digested by then. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. 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 <laughs> more of the unknown, but embodied unknown. But you just plunge in anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Rod. Oops, you remuted yourself. There you go. I think we're okay, aren't we? <laughs> um, first of all, my condolences Thank and you. thinking sure. of Aunt Sissy. Yes. And all of your good times that you'll remember. Um, and my comment is about our ancestors, because it, what Cassie said and what you've been saying earlier and um, how you said you have to look for the pointers and or things will point you in the direction. Mm -hmm. This morning, uh, when I was listening to NPR, they had the most beautiful uh, commentary from an anthropologist at University of Texas, and she was talking about um, indigenous people in Texas, you know, like they, she was posing the question, if you ask people in Austin about the indigenous people in Austin, nobody really, you know, that's not anything people are taught about. They may be taught about something a long time ago, but they, she was saying they're still with us, you know, like indigenous people are still here. And one of the things that she said was so beautiful was she talked about the Comanche trees, which I had never heard about. Mm -hmm. And she said the Comanches would, you know, they were so connected with using nature as their signpost. And so mm -hmm. uh, they would, somehow or another cut the root of the tree or something at some point and direct its growth just like you were saying about the trellis uh -huh. and so the tree would there's these trees along shoal creek that um actually it grows like 
parallel with the ground almost. And it didn't just happen. That was a Comanche tree. And they would use these as pointers. So like when other Comanches came up and they'd like, that would mean it was water was there close by or, you know, a good hunting ground or, and I thought, how neat was that? And so in other words, they're, this is, they pass this on to us and we need to be awake to this to, to understand. And it's part of their their forms and ritual yes through nature so i just thought that was so beautiful and so tied in with what you were saying yeah, and it just came to you out of the blue today sometimes these things just come to us right at the right time don't they they do they do and thank you <laughs> I, did, I did think about you um on sunday by the way because i was able to go to the last day in which the uh, uh, Van Gogh Immersive Exhibit was in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was really quite powerful. I know some of you have probably been to it before, but it was really amazing. Mm -hmm. to, because it's because it's so it's such an embodied experience. You can't think of anything. Exactly. You're taken over by it. I'm so glad, glad you got to see that. Yeah. Thank you, Penelope. Thank you, Flint. Mary Beth, oh, hold on. Okay. There you go. Hi, it's good to see you. What a great landscape behind you, I like that. Oh, thanks. So what I've been thinking about is when you talked about finding our own path with structure and boundaries, and how that helps me with the not knowing, right? So, you know, even as I look around the screen, there are so many people that I am holding when I sit or when I just take a walk, they don't even know I'm holding space for them. I think yeah. of Darcy, right? And, and to know that it's happening for me too. Yes. that other people are are holding me to so it's just really dear and precious to me that you said um the structure because that's what allows it for me to do the plunging into the not knowing is that i know i'm held yes. and that i want everybody else to know that i'm holding you too i'm glad that you're voicing it one, one of the ways that i sometimes in our our group that i will remind people of what the teaching that you're offering, which is really, really important. As I'll say during Zazen, I often say it in the Hui in the circle. I say, when we're sitting here, offer the best of your energy to the person on either side of you. Just mm. pour your heart out to them and start there. And then I say, now, if that's happening with everyone in the room, guess what? They're pouring it out to you. And so that whole longing for communion, that whole sense of union and then full identity begins to unfold in that exactly as you said it. So thank you for that. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Good to see you all. And someone raised their hand here. Suzanne. Um, Flint, since we're talking about ancestors and everything, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to tell us an odd sissy story. <laughs> well, you put me on the spot now. <clears throat> One of the things that I remember most is in the summers, sometimes uh, Kathy and I would uh, go to Borger, Texas, which is a very small place up in the Panhandle, north of Amarillo, uh, near uh, Dumas, big cities like that. These <laughs> very small places in the Panhandle. Uh, my my uncle, Jim, James worked for uh, an oil company, so they, they lived there. And so we would uh, sometimes spend uh, a, a good little time in the summer there. And she would always um, uh, well, <laughs> she wasn't very she wasn't strict in any kind of harsh way, but it was really clear that you knew what she wanted to do. She wanted to make sure you go to church on Sunday. And uh, she would let us play and do whatever we wanted out in the canyons in that kind of wild, uh, kind of dry landscape of, of North Texas. 
but and she wasn't overly um, emotive, but she was always there. When you come in, she was in the kitchen, or she was, she was very, very. There was something steady about her, you know, that I really loved. Uh, and so she might not be really effusive emotionally, and you know that kind of thing, but she was always right there. So when you turn around, their presence is right there. And uh, I remember she would uh, always think about the things that we liked to eat and try to cook something that we really enjoyed. And she, um, and the place where she stepped beyond the ordinary into the mystery was when she sat at the piano or the organ at church because she would play. And then you got to see her heart in a way that in her ordinary activities that I was just talking about, you wouldn't see. Uh, and that you'd see who she was. Because you could feel it in your body through the music. So that, that touches me in your request. Huh? Mm-hmm. You're remembering her playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once, I remember only once, may have happened more than once, but only once uh, in church, she and my mom sang a duet. I don't know what the song was. I don't remember. I was too young. It was when I was quite young. But I remember being kind of in awe seeing them up there, <laughs> you know, singing together. Because okay. they didn't really do that very much. They both played at times. And, mm-hmm. and Mary Catherine more than mom, really, in the church. But So mm-hmm. she'll, her body will, will return to mm-hmm. uh, Central Baptist Church in Luling, Texas, where they spent their childhood. And that's where the services will be. Uh, sometime in the next week or so, I would imagine. So thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. It's a good way for us to close. Mm-hmm. I will, um, I want to, instead of our, our chanting, I want to say a small dedication. It's very, it's very small. Um, that sometimes we use in the Zen tradition. We say, may, may our intention equally permeate every being and place with the true merit of Buddha's way. It's very, very short. May our intention, what is your intention? What is your intention in your practice? May our intention, may our shared intentions, may our holding equally permeate every being and every place with the true merit of Buddha's way. What is that? The, the goodness of our practice that we bring forward by inviting ourselves and our bodies together. So you can even say it with me now. I'll say it in the short, short piece. May our intention equally permeate every being and place with the true merit of Buddha's way. Thank you for your participation. It's so great to see everybody here and to hear everyone who came forward and to be surrounded by people that I love and who love me, and it's just a nice thing. And Jessica? Appamata's programs and facilities are supported through your generosity, and your support makes a huge difference. There is a link for contributions on the website, and I'll also paste it in the chat. Uh, you can make a direct contribution to Appamata or uh, for Flint on the forums. Um, thank you all very much. And if you'd like to stay, please join Maria and the after Zazen.